Welcome to another episode of the Personal Branding for Photographers podcast. My name is Maurice Jager and I'm a photographer, speaker and the author of the book Personal Branding for Photographers. This podcast is all about learning how to improve your personal brand as a photographer. Thank you for listening today and let's dive in. Welcome to this episode of the Personal Branding for Photographers podcast. And today we have Jaku Ars on the show. Hey, uh, Maurice, my, my last name is not Ars. I'm not an Ars, but we all have one. <laughs> <laughs> and for those that are listening, we just planned that little joke. So <laughs> I didn't purposely <laughs> mess it up. So <laughs> Jaku, for the people that don't know who you are, can you introduce yourself real quick. Hi, my name is Jaku Arce. Uh, my last name is Spanish in origin. Um, I'm, I'm Filipino in ethnic background, so that's where it all that came from. Uh, I'm, headshot, I'm a headshot photographer in the Washington, D.C. area. I mostly photograph uh, medical, uh, real estate, upcoming actors, actresses, um, and, and I enjoy headshot photography. Uh, I got into it after taking Peter Hurley's headshot intensive in 2012 in his studio in uh, New York City. Uh, I am also a former um, uh, U.S. Army veteran. Uh, I did uh, two things in the Army. I was an emergency nurse, uh, and also I did public relations uh, for the Army as well. And uh, I enjoy photography. I enjoy doing uh, public relations work. And I'm also a co-owner of a digital uh, marketing agency here in the D.C. area. So life is busy around here. <laughs> I can imagine. And you mentioned like shooting medical and shooting like with your headshot work. Is that also partly based on your own background? With my background in nursing, I feel like I'm able to connect with clients who are in the medical field. I've done dentistry, um, a lot of dentistry work. Uh, they like using pretty pictures of their their clients who have uh, with the work that they've done. Uh, on their teeth and they use it as promotional material. So that's one market that I've been able to work with uh, when it comes to headshots. Okay. And do you use like your uh, past experience as a nurse, if you will, and as a former veteran to talk to these people in a specific way? And is that something that you use as a rapport builder and as a deciding factor for them to work with you? Like, how do you position that? When it comes to working directly with the subjects, and this is something that you know, as headshot photographers, we work on that. We know that it's 90% psychology and 10% photography. So when it comes to the psychology part and actually working with clients, I actually bring back my background as a nurse. Um, as an emergency room nurse dealing with patients directly, uh, I, I see patients in their best and I see patients at their worst. And so the, the rapport that I've learned on how to talk to patients and how to comfort them uh, and guide them in the things they need to do in order to take care of their bodies so they can live long, uh, I brought that over uh, to the psychology side of headshot photography in dealing with, um, with subjects when they're in front of my camera. And then uh, that helps ease the tension uh, that helps get them comfortable and helps me get the shot that I need for them. So do you have a practical or real life example of that? The biggest, the biggest thing is when, I, when I'm working with clients is I make sure I do research on them. So if it's medical, um, sometimes I'll have some uh, medical banter uh, that goes in the background when we're talking. So it, it helps connect with that, that way. 
if I have actors and actresses, I have a small questionnaire, talk to them a, lo- a little about uh, what they've done in the past. And uh, for, for one client, uh, we were actually you know, making some jokes during the headshot session about some musicals. Uh, Hamilton is a very popular musical. And uh, we, we did some, we, we, I learned some of the, the rap that was going on through there. And we just rapped through some of the sections during our headshot session. It was really, really fun. So uh, knowing Knowing your head, your your clients, doing a little bit of research kind of helps build a rapport and yeah. helps make it a really fun headshot session. Yeah. So, like, what do you want to achieve with your work? Like, when are you happy when you're behind the camera? For me, it really comes down to producing those images that are right uh, for the client. And that's that's the fun part for me. It's It's the research. It's working, getting to work with them. And then getting to see their images being used, uh, either if it's like, for instance, um, my real estate client, they're the ones that really melt uh, the use out of these headshots. They put it in their email, they put it on their cards, they put it on their placards when they're uh, on every house. So they're, they put on billboards, they put it everywhere. Mailers are, are, are starting to become a new thing. Uh, coming back uh, as everyone's staying at home uh, in, in America due to things going around the world. Mm-hmm. So being able to see uh, how creative my real estate clients are doing with the, the headshots that I produce for them is really, really nice to see. Uh, it's giving them legs and it's seeing them run with it. So you're the, your shots are on benches and stuff that we all see when people put their ass on your work pretty much (laughs) (laughs) haven't seen a bench yet but uh, maybe that's going to be on my you know check off list you know maybe one day i'll have i'll have it there (laughs) (laughs) do you repurpose the work that your clients like the way that they use it like do they do they send you pictures do you see it in the wild if you will and like do you repurpose that in your own branding or socials to show like oh my gosh my work is been put out here, put out there. Like I drew, just drove past this house that's for sale. I shot this shot. Like, do you do any of that, or is that a, a bridge too far? Oh no, that's that's definitely something that's uh, that's out there that uh, that I like to do because number one, it helped uh, show where it is, and also um, one of the funnest things I like to do is if I find it out in the wild, is I'll take a video of myself reacting to it, and then of course I'll tag uh, my client. That's in there and says, hey, I remember this shot. I think I took this shot. Yes, I did take it sh- the shot. And then I'll tag them and then it, it stirs a conversation. So when it comes to that aspect, um, it, it becomes a fun banter between myself and the client uh, reliving and going back to the headshot session. Uh, but also on social, it helps me tag them and says, hey, if you're looking for such and such business on this one, check them out. And by the way, this is one of the images I took of them. So there's multiple birds with one stone that you can do by doing a short video or even a, sh- a short um, photo of uh, me with the the headshot that I took of them in the wild. Okay, that's cool. So when we step back a couple of steps, like you haven't always been in the U.S. Uh, I know that we met when you lived in Germany. So can you uh, take us a little bit throughout your um history as a person like you didn't grew you weren't born in the u.s i think you didn't grow up in the u.s maybe like i don't know like give us a spiel so i was born in in kuwait uh in the mid 1980s Uh, both my parents were contract workers from the philippines my mom worked as a nurse and my father worked uh for a uh, an aluminum company um and they met there 
and they had me there. And then we left about a year before the Gulf War started. Uh, we left to the United States in 1989, uh, and I spent most of my childhood and growing up in California. And so I grew up with Arabic, uh, with English, and, and Filipino at home. And so sometimes, it, and this is the hardest part sometimes, is uh, thinking. I'm thinking in one language and speaking another. So, you know, that, that part goes through my mind a lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like how many, not, how many languages do you actually speak? So having lived around the world, I've, I've picked up a couple languages here and there. And sometimes in, in like with my kids, kids, I'm speaking, I'm trying to get them to learn French okay. uh, because my wife's Lebanese and on their side, they speak a lot of French. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're doing numbers at home, greetings in the morning. And so sometimes uh, I'll, I'll mix my English and, and other languages as well. So what I've learned with my kids is uh, I'm starting to praise them in French, but discipline in German because nothing sounds, everything's very harsh in German. And so yeah. it really sounds like someone's mad at you. So that's, <laughs> that's what I've especially yeah. after living in Germany for four years. So I picked up, a, I'm not totally conversational or anything, but I can get around. Um, I can definitely buy a ask to buy a beer, where's the toilet, and uh, can I get another beer? So those yeah. are important things in life. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and, and that's my level in Spanish. <laughs> <It's>, uh... <laughs> You're good to go then. You're yeah. Good. Yeah, I was I was uh, uh, raised th uh, trilingual, if you will, uh, um, Dutch, German, and English. My mom is Dutch, my dad is German, and English is like the universe, the the uniform language in on the, in the planet, if you will. So I wasn't like very fortunate with those three, but like you with the French and like what else is there? Do you uh, have a knowledge of like Tagalog or something from the back from the Philippines or? Not I, at all. I do. I don't practice conversational Filipino as much. Um, not even even with my sister. We don't. We never really spoke it as much. The the one thing that my parents did for me because my sister was born in the U.S. Uh, she was born after me. Um, my parents didn't want me to speak as much Filipino growing up. Mm -hmm. um, mostly because they wanted me to integrate into American society. And so language became a huge topic at home, uh, or the there was a lot of things around it. Was uh, do a, And my parents decided to speak more English at home with me, although while they still spoke Filipino to, amongst each other, and then I still picked up on it, um, but that way I wouldn't get a crazy accent, um, that I could get English as a, as a primary language coming back to, coming to the United States. Yeah, so you have pretty much like the expat upbringing, if you will. I'm considered first generation, but raised almost second generation um, immigrant. Okay, okay. So uh, when did you, like, was there cameras involved in your upbringing or was that something that you decided at some point in life? Like, when did you decide to actually like get a camera and take pictures? Gr growing up, my dad had an old, uh, I think it was a Minolta 35 millimeter, um, 17 millimeter 1.8 trying to get my hands on it. I need to get that from him. <laughs> it's an old classic camera. Uh, I've, I use, uh, I've used more film cameras when I was living in Seoul, Korea, when I was stationed there uh, in the army. Uh, and that's when I picked up more f film. But growing up, I used a lot of disposable cameras when that was all the rage. Mm -hmm. And it would create uh, a bunch of stuff. And then when I got into secondary school, um, I, that's when digital cameras started to become more available. And I was in my yearbook journalism class in secondary school, and I got my hands on them. 
and I started taking pictures just digital wise um, using digital cameras and that became fascinating with me and when I got to university I bought my own my first DSLR and just ran with it and um, the only time that I didn't that I decided that it would it could be a possible career uh, was when I left university and I lived in North Carolina uh, someone actually wanted to pay me for for something and I thought, whoa, this is something that I've always done for as a hobby. I have fun with it. Now, someone wants wants to pay me for the skill that I have. This sounds awesome. And so uh, I started doing more portrait work. I started doing weddings. Uh, but I found out with my my day my day job at the time, I couldn't really do photography full time, and I was trying to find a way and how. I could still do what I would love to do, yet still meet with the current schedule of work that I had. And that's when I learned about Peter Hurley and I learned about headshot photography. I dove into it, went to his intensive, and the rest is history. I've been uh, doing headshots now after his instruction for the last eight years. Uh, I've done it in, in Korea, I've done it in, in Europe, uh, I've done it here in America, and I'm, I'm, it's, it's a blast. And it's something that I will carry with me throughout the rest of my life. Yeah. And like with the PR job with the army, like was that also like camera involved or was that more the story and like making the U.S. Army look great? Like what did that look like? Did you have so an opportunity a, to shoot? I did have an opportunity to shoot, but more mostly my role was more of a, a strategist. Um, I was more of the planning uh, to figure out what what's important, what was our message, what did we need to put out? And then I had a team. Sometimes I didn't have a team, but in places, in, in units and organizations that I didn't have a team, I would have to be both the, the strategic planner and the technician to go ahead and make the content. And so there were a couple of times where I was a one person show, and, uh, which was kind of hard, but it gave me a chance to put myself behind the camera and produce the content myself, which was great. Uh, one of my favorite things that I did in uniform as a public affairs officer was uh, I went to Ukraine and uh, I had an assignment there. And as one of the ways in order to get the imagery, I did some headshots, not only of the soldiers were in my unit, but also some of the Ukrainian soldiers as well. And so I was able to, even with some language barrier, I was still able to get the shots that I needed. And that was, uh, that was a lot of fun. And being going, going on assignments like that, it's always important to make sure that you get photos that you like as well. Uh, and it just so happens that uh, the, the photos that I wanted to get were utilized. And so I'm glad I was able to do that as part of uh, storytelling uh, of what I was doing. So do you see like um, a resemblance or like a mashup between what you did and learned in the army and the PR job and how you position yourself today as a photographer? I, I believe so. And I'll take it a step further with what we talked earlier about as being a nurse, uh, getting that rapport, uh, the rapport with clients, uh, the branding that I learned uh, in in the army, and also as a PR professional, and then I'll take it one step further, uh, being a co-owner of a digital marketing agency in the DC area. All of my experiences have put everything together to who I am today. So every what I would tell everyone is that whatever you have from your experience, whether it's good or bad, it makes who you are. And don't don't ignore all those experiences. Uh, for me, sometimes the bad experiences I've learned more than some of the good experiences. So I know not what to do, either from experiences in, in with clients or uh, from other people that I've worked with. And I know, don't do that. Don't, don't follow their example. Learn from that. Don't make their mistakes. 
and, and move forward. Yeah, and I think like personal failures are the most relatable to the audience. Like I put up the post where I took a header with my Segway and like, I guess that's the one that got the most likes, comments and uh, people messaging me and all of that stuff. And I was like, do I really want to share this? Because it's like very like not me on top of my game, but it created so much rapport and so many people that I found that actually cared about my well-being. So that's really like it's cool for the audience to know that like not everything is like unicorns and rainbows. And on the other end, it's like for me uh, getting that realization that people are not just like following, but actually they give a shit. So I I guess that's I I saw that post and that was that really resonated with me. And like you, I, I related with with your post as well. And and the last time I saw you in person was in I think it was in Cologne in Germany. And I remember what you look like. And then seeing that face, uh, uh, your photo that you put up, I'm like, whoa, what happened? And and so from a personal level, because because we're friends um, and in the last time I saw you was a couple of years ago, it really resonated with me. And um, that's one of the things I think we need to do more as as photographers is build that that level of dimension with our clients so it is relatable because we are human yeah we're all human and we all have similar experiences and by sharing it, it that builds another connection uh by telling our story yeah and we actually did meet after cologne when you did the spread and video in new york city <gasps> that was uh that's oh, right that was a that was probably october the same year but that was also when we met so we met back to back like that 2016 year for me was like so crazy because I did Vegas, I did New York a couple of rounds, I did Cologne, I went back to New York, I uh, did back to back WPP. Like I was on, I was on a plane like pretty much like every week. Like I had family <laughs> members like ask me like, "Are you ever home?" <laughs> like it was nuts. And then flying out for jobs and stuff, it's like, oh my gosh. So like that year was super crazy. But that's yeah, also- I remember photo. Photo Plus Expo, yep. uh, October. Yep. And then uh, it's funny you mentioned that the that spread on video was, uh, I think, the four just, year uh, anniversary. Yeah, the four year anniversary of that video launch was within within the last week. I remember tagging Peter and uh, Elena and and Brittany on that video. So good yeah. times. Yeah. And then uh, Mr. Holger with the the tall ass uh, <laughs> the tall ass German being in there. So that was uh, that was fun. <laughs> the one time that my 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 short stature came into play that uh, it could be useful. <laughs> uh, and Elena Lutkit said exactly the same thing. <laughs> like I'm actually short for a reason at this point. Like it's actually beneficial. And like my five my five foot two inch stature finally came into play and was actually useful for something. <laughs> yeah, like when I like have people in my studio and I need to lower my lights, they go like, "Yeah, I'm short." It's like, "Yeah, well." Somebody has to have the easiest way to get to the bottom shelf. And some people. Is that people, our purpose in life? <laughs> and some people are better with top shelves. So it's like, nobody gives a crap. <laughs> like, you just put the important shit lower. <laughs> it's like, everybody lives their life. <laughs> I, re- I remember when, I think it was at Photo Plus Expo, when we, I guess that's when we last met. Uh, I was at the, the um, think tank. Uh, the their booth and they oh, had boy. Yeah. travel. They had one of their travel bags and then uh, Richard. Uh, I always have fun with hanging out with Richard. Uh, we had this crazy idea of me stuffing myself in 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 one of their bags and I fit 
without much wiggling. I don't, I don't. I think I didn't even have to like curl up or anything. It, it was just right my size. Yeah. <laughs> like Rich. So I call myself travel size. Yep. Richard Wayne is on episode nine, by the way, and I remember that when you. Uh, went into a think tank production manager 50 because that thing is 50 inches <laughs> so, it's, uh, <laughs> that was that was funny I, I was it i was there like i saw that shot and that was uh pretty freaking cool <laughs> that was that's the fun thing when that you have when you just meet like a bunch of photographers in the flesh and just like being on trade shows or these days like being at like virtual conventions and like all of that craziness, just like that rapport building and just like joking and bullshitting and all of that. That's like very invaluable to um, like find your peers and create those connections within the industry and learn from one another because you're doing awesome stuff with like your branding and now your agency and like the military experience and the nurse, like, all of that stuff is very cool to learn about. And that would have that would never been possible if we never like really met in the flesh. Then you would probably go like, Yeah, who's this guy? He's running a podcast, like what whatever, you know? So it those things are always very cool to attend. You never know what happens in your journey of life. And that's what makes things exciting. So um, taking just, especially with things that are going on in the world, just I'm, I'm learning to appreciate things that I have and being more thankful for the relationships uh, that I've cold over, over the years and continue to grow them. And I'm, I'm happy we still have a relationship, Maurice. I'm, I'm still, we're still connected. Yeah, we're still doing good. So you're running, <laughs> you're, you're running the Waze, what, what, what is it, Waza Media? Uh, yes, agency? Waza Media. And yep. that, that's Waza. like a marketing agency, a digital agency. How would you describe that? We're, uh, so my, my, co, my co-owner and myself, um, we, it was actually 2020. Is This year is when we, uh, we joined forces together. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my co-owner, uh, Andrew Milner, he's a former uh, uh, Marine veteran. And this is something that, uh, this is his baby for the last, uh, I think five, seven years. So he's been, he's been more of the owner of this longer than I have. I just joined in on this year. So, um, we're, we're, we're working together to help clients tell their story. Um, and we provide digital services, um, not only getting, uh, graphics, uh, social media marketing, SEO, digital ads, uh, but the other part that we provide in, and this comes from our military experience, is not only are we helping them with the digital services, that's the tactical level, we're also doing the st- strategic level. Um, so we do the planning, we, we help clients figure out who their, their audience is, what's uh, what's the breakdown, distribution, and we come up with ways to help them tell their message. Um, sometimes the, the right distribution method is important to look at, whether we need to go through a digital platform or if it's something that's uh, related to more human interest, we might need to guide our client to go more media. Uh, it's something that local media might want to pick up. And in one of our local one of our recent podcasts, we talk about you know, how small businesses can talk to the media uh, and when it's the right place and right time and how to do so. Um, so we help guide our clients not only on the digital products itself, getting their videos, graphics, uh, digital ads going, but also strategic level communications as well. Okay, so let's talk strategically. Let's say I'm a photographer in 
dumb shit village, uh, some state, and wanna like build my audience and build my business and like how like I'm I'm putting you on the spot right now, but like how would you like what would you do? So we need to first find out who you are. Okay, who you who you are, what, and this is, this goes down to a breakdown of who the photographer is, what is your background, and then we find ways on how to connect. We tr- what, we're, what we're really doing is, is mapping, uh, trying to connect dots, because every person has several different layers of dimension. You and I just discussed how many layers of dimension that we have. We talked about our upbringing, we talked about where we've lived, what our career paths were. We were, you know, you have former corporate life, I have former corporate life. And so it, we do a deep down analysis about who you are, where you are, and we find ways on how to connect to whatever niche audiences you want to connect to. So um, let's go with if you were, uh, if, uh, let, and, and I like how uh, your previous episode with Josh Line, he uses his connection um, with uh, higher heroes in order to connect with them. Mm-hmm. And it was a great episode, and I really enjoyed that one. Thank I you. really want to meet Josh Line in person, so uh, maybe one day. When he's the, he's the in Vegas, so. <laughs> yes, he is. Yeah. He is. Um, so he uses his, his veteran status as a way of connecting with other people. So that's one dimension that he's able c- to connect with other veterans, and they, they, they come to him, or he, comes, he goes to them, and he finds those veterans through uh, Hire Our Heroes in order to get, make sure they, he, they get their photos, and that their setups are for success for their first job leaving the military. Um, and so by building those connections, making those dots, we're able to help find his audience, find the audience um, and continue to start marketing towards them. And so built, connecting dots from who you are to who your audience that you want to reach is just one part of the strategic planning process. Okay. And like the, I think a lot of photographers have, I wouldn't say issues, but they find it difficult to um, align their past life with their current photography. So like, like there's not a lot of people that just like got out of high school and became a photographer. There's a lot of people that like had a past career and then transitioned into photography. So um, do you have like a quick tip on how to connect the two worlds? Like, how would you approach that? By working, say that question one more time. Can you rephrase that? I can rephrase it. I, I told you I'm going to put you on the spot. Um, like, <laughs> like, there's a lot of photographers that are transitioning from a previous career to, into a photography career, and they struggle with connecting the dots. And like, what would be like a quick tip for the people that are listening that uh, on how that they can like connect the dots and create that um, um, intersection or that like uh, make it more like similar or like tie it together, if you will. Like, what would you do? So I'm going to bring up my experience um, and how I connected my previous experience as a nurse with with headshot photography. Um, one of the things that I did was I actually reached back to some of my nursing friends and they've I've made sure I built those connections and maintained those connections over the years. And so they progressed in their career and then they, be, they become uh, and they find themselves in other positions other than being at the bedside. Some of them are admin, some become business owners for nursing homes and stuff. So um, whatever career that you you come from, make sure you make sure you maintain those connections because you never know when an opportunity might arise. Um, So maintain your relationships um, and also stay connected, but also understand the industry as well. 
So some things on the nursing side, as a uh, if, if for instance, one of my friends is a uh, owns a nursing home, and so that is a small business in which they take care of uh, of patients in in a home setting, and it's geared to a, a different environment rather than being in the hospital or being in uh, some other structure. But it's 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 a home based care. It feels more homely, and it, it actually does better for elderly patients. And so, with a small business, they need to market themselves. And so, by understanding how business is run and how they need to market, that's where I'm able to plug myself in as a photographer and say, "Hey, I did an observation of your business. I saw your website. Did a small audit. Um, I saw that you may need." this. You may need some marketing material. You may need images of your home. You might also need some images of yourself to put on business cards when you go out and, and, and you start promoting your, your home care business. And so by build, building on the relationship that we had, by identifying a problem that they might have and then coming up with the solution, uh, that is a way in how to bridge and potentially have business with, uh, uh, with, with that. And also uh, still leveraging my my previous career okay that makes total sense so the the topic of the podcast is like personal branding for photographers like what is your personal brand if you have to like really like tie down to like a couple of sentences i as a photographer i am a not only am i a creative but i'm also a storyteller and so with my background in telling stories from previous organizations helping tell the U.S. Army story. Um, I want to tell that story. I want to tell my client's story uh, with them and by helping them every step of the way when it comes to getting their images done through way with me. And then we can even take it to the next step by working with my digital marketing agency to, to grow your business, um, coming up with a strategic plan and helping you get, get yourself out there tell your story, tell your name, and uh, get it out there to the audience and getting it out to the masses. Okay. So like you worked in like organizations like the military or like the hospital world. Um, so when you decided to work for yourself, like I'm thinking like personal brand was not like the first thing that came to mind, but how did you develop it? Like at some point you realized like I need to like build a brand. So what did you do? I felt like I started doing more personal branding when I left the active duty military in 2016. Uh, because then I wasn't full time military, I was uh, part time. And so I needed to leverage myself, I needed to say this is I'm now pretty much on my own. Uh, and so I needed to make sure that uh, I put myself out. So uh, LinkedIn, became a very popular thing. And I know you're very big on LinkedIn as well. Yeah. Uh, LinkedIn became a very popular platform for me. Um, and then Instagram and then um, doing more short, short videos uh, just because of our attention span that's out there. Yeah. The, the personal branding became more real leaving the military. And that was part of my transition um, for in, into doing that. And I, I highly, highly recommend even, even if, um, that you continue to work on your personal branding because you never know where it'll go. Uh, just and the one thing I get sometimes is, but I don't know what to talk about. Mm -hmm. And and I'll bring up the example that you you just talked about during our uh, during our conversation is you know what happened to you with your segue. That that is a relatable story uh, that has uh, emotional emphasis. Uh, that is relatable. Um, getting hurt and through a vehicle type accident and. What I really liked is how you turned it around and, and you 
but after you showed your st- you told your story you had a, a very strong image of yourself with, with your scar and i know all of us have our own different scars whether some of them be visible and some of them not visible and when it comes to our confidence level and how we feel um you put yourself out there you made yourself vulnerable so i i gotta give you props for doing that post again i know it's a it, it's a hard thing to do but um that's that's something that you put out there, and uh, I'm actually going to uh, probably use you as a case study <laughs> for one of my clients in the okay. future and say, "Hey, look, look what look what Maurice is doing, and this is the type of content that you could do out there. You can put your you, when it's the right time, put yourself vulnerable, tell your story about you know your upbringing and what you what you what you bring to the table, and um, and go and go from there." Okay. So let's put you on the spot again. What is your scar? Because your face looks <sighs> your face looks very pristine. Uh, mine isn't anymore. So you have you probably have an invisible scar. So what is it? I think the invisible scar comes from uh, my upbringing. Uh, being a nurse was a choice I felt not made by me, but from my parent and from uh, from culture. Um, a lot of my relatives and family members, they're, they're all in the medical field. They're nurses, uh, physicians, working in healthcare. And that seems to be the choice decided by family that this is your career path. Yeah. You're going to do this. And so that's what I've been groomed my whole life. Uh, when I was in secondary school, I went to a program uh, uh, th- called Doctors Academy, which was a University of San Francisco program to guide. It was a pipeline program to get secondary school um, kids in order to learn more about the medical field and to uh, guide them in through a path in medicine and then come back to the area that you grew up in. So if it was me in California and then work in the medical field there. So they had a pipeline for that. And that's Mm -hmm. what um, I was in. And my parents were trying to groom me to something in medicine. I ended up getting a a military scholarship uh, in Uh, in nursing school. Mm -hmm. So I did that. And so after a while, I felt that I was not living my life. I was living my parents' life. And it really didn't come down into after my mother died from uh, stage four breast cancer in 2013, uh, that I realized that I'm not, I was living their life and I needed to live mine. And the opportunity came for me to switch careers uh, when I was uh, stationed in Germany in 2015, that uh, I found a way in to switch from nursing to do something else that I wanted to do was communications. And uh, through communications and, and being doing public relations, I was able to bring what I've always loved, which was photography, into play. And so all of the years of doing photography helped me with a career change and learning more about public relations in the military. And then eventually having having not really touched the patient since 2015. So uh, now five years into uh, getting away from the nursing nursing realm. I enjoy working with patients and I love the medics and the docs that I worked with, but that was not my career. That was, I, f- I still feel to this day that was my parents' life for me. And now it, it's sad that it really took that uh, the death of my mom and also the uh, breaking away from, from family uh, a little bit to show that I've can make it on my own. I've been able to make my career successfully transition from being a nurse to a public relations professional, to being a headshot photographer, to being a co-owner of a digital marketing agency. And I feel that I am doing this for myself. I'm doing it for my family. uh, And I'm not living this life now for my parents. So that 
that is my invisible scar. And what I would tell to those who are still struggling, who are in my shoes or in my shoes now, in that mindset now in which that you're living for someone else is don't yeah don't live for yourself yeah it's it's your life and when your parents if you're if you're living your parents life life and when they die who are you living for yeah i like when i grew up i like i grew up in like becoming a professional soccer player so at some point i got injured and i had no fucking clue what to do with my life and my dad has been a minor since he was 14 so he was like in the coal mines in your like he, he spent 52 years at the same company. Like he got above ground and went into like distribution kind of thing. And when I dropped out of soccer or football for the European people, um, <laughs> um, he's, I'm like, what the heck should I do? And he's like, well, ne- never let anybody tell you what to do and become a boss. So he sent me into management school because he wanted me to become a manager because then I can tell people what to do. I did that for 12 years. I had 120 people in my team and I felt miserable. And that's when I picked up the camera and started shooting. So like there's like a lot of people, I think in our um, generation, if you will, there's Mm -hmm. a lot of people that go into um, areas of expertise or into jobs based on expectations from everybody around them and it's difficult to break that cycle because it's like it's what people expect what you're used to like what you brought up into like all of that and breaking that circle can be difficult so. yeah it totally can and and it, it can lock you down uh, because that's all you know and yeah. if that's been what you've been told no you're going to do this you're going to do this for the rest of your life. You're going to do the family business. You're not. You're going to stay in this town. You're never going to leave because you need to carry the name of your family. And that that's that's a huge thing, especially in Filipino culture, is is carrying your family's name and uh, and finding out and doing what pretty much the family tells you to do. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I just had to break away. I had to break away. Yeah. I had to live my life. Yeah. So to turn it into a positive, like what is a valuable piece of advice that you can share? Like what did you actually, what did you learn? Like what is something that you would, like if somebody reached out to you, like I want to do this, I want to become a professional photographer, I'm going to like build my brand, I'm going to like be freaking awesome. Like what is something that you picked up over the years that is like I should have known this when I started or like this is like the shit you need to know this and work off that. I have three words, okay. Maurice, and, and those words are do the work. Okay. This stuff isn't easy. Getting getting where you and I got, uh, where we are in our careers, we didn't get them from being lazy. We, we have to put the work in in order to make ourselves successful. And right now we're filming this uh, from where I am in the world when we're doing this podcast. It is an American holiday. It is Thanksgiving. It is uh, pretty early in the morning for me, but that's fine with fine for me. But as an entrepreneur, there are no holidays. You you work nights and weekends. You work early mornings. And so while my kids are asleep, I am up early, so I know that uh, they won't interrupt me. Uh, I love them to death, but when the, you know when it's when they're awake, my attention is on them. Yeah. Um, so I am adapting myself to make sure I can run my businesses um, while still taking care of my family. I am putting the work in 
uh, may come to uh, some sacrifice here and there, and uh, sleep <laughs> does take some sacrifice. I am averaging about six, seven hours of sleep, so oh. I just make sure that um, I make myself productive, and I am not doing things that don't take away from my time. Yeah. So if I, I don't game, I'm not a gamer uh, or anything of that sort. I, I try to, not to find things that suck up my time, that take away from opportunities to uh, learn more, grow the business, or connect with others. And so do the work. It's the only way you're going to be successful. No one's going to spoon feed you this. If you want to make it big, you have to put in the work. Yeah. So procrastination is a no-go. And two questions. One, what should people focus on when they're not procrastinating and putting in the time? And question two, are we getting a Thanksgiving family photo? Because I know you go crazy on that stuff. <laughs> so to answer question number one, there's there's two things. Is uh, it, It's always important to invest in yourself. So if you need to um, find a course or find an online course or go find a mentor to build the skills that you need, do that. There's nothing wrong with spending time on yourself to, to learn uh, to how to better build your craft and to mature in it. Uh, as, a, as a headshot photographer, I'm always looking for ways to how to improve efficiency, uh, whether if it's uh, improving my workflow, uh, getting new gear, or even outsourcing. Um, that, that's that's been a huge time saver, especially as an entrepreneur, is outsourcing. And the second thing to do is build your personal brand, tell your story. Now you may feel like you don't have a story to tell, but telling, and I, I'll care. I'll bring this over from Gary Vee. I can't take credit for this, but documenting your progress is an important thing. Uh, and that's one of the easiest ways to tell your story. Uh, if you're struggling, talk about your struggles. Um, if you are talking about, uh, you're going through a part where you need to pivot in life, talk about that. Um, because someone else is probably going through the same thing you are. And so um, putting yourself out there, making yourself vulnerable is a risky thing. But in the right place, it could be uh, you may have a good return on investment and you might find ways in connecting with others and who knows where it might take you. And then going to the photo, um, I'm actually working this weekend, not on a Thanksgiving photo, but on a Christmas photo. Uh, we actually shot this a, a couple weeks ago. Um, we, I, I still need to fix it up in Photoshop, but uh, you're the first person that I've actually talked about this uh, afterwards. We, we do some crazy stuff every year. Yeah, <laughs> If you follow I know. me on my... On my Instagram. <laughs> I know. We've been friends for forever. And I always see these pictures with like the kids on like, uh, uh, what is it? Like Apple boxes. And you just like trying to like, I see your headache when you're trying to shoot it. I see the behind the scenes stuff on your Instagram. It's like, holy oh cannoli. Like I was like, are you up for that today? Or is that something that is already done or is in the pipeline? <laughs> <laughs> so we, we shot it. I just need to finish the composite. Uh, we're kind of going with a Peter Pan theme. Uh, it, it's going to be something related to the pandemic where I'm doing more composite work for this one this year. And uh, that's all I'm going to. That's all you're going to get, Maurice. I know we've been friends, but that's all you're getting right now. OK, so <laughs> that's a little cliffhanger for <laughs> if you want to know about it, like figure out Jaku's Instagram that will link in the description and you'll see it in the next couple of weeks, I suppose. So that's really cool. Um, so in your opinion, like what is the key for you to become successful or when are you successful? 
I don't think I'll ever be successful. There are milestones that I've set for myself, but I feel like when I call myself successful, officially successful, then then I'm done. Then then what do I have left to go for? So the 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 journey of getting to where I think I want to be or where where I want to be is more exhilarating for me. I'm going through a couple of things in my life right now through uh through my biz my uh, marketing agency through my headshot business um 2020 has really you know, tied uh, has really worked the systems yeah uh, 2020 is the so- curveball year so <laughs> <laughs> and and what 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 is interesting is that there's uh and looking at what happened in in America's uh great depression and stock market crash uh from the, from the 90s, 30s early 1900s yeah yeah um and i i've actually done this year learning more about investments and learning how the markets work and i i, I like looking into history so one of my favorite things I like to do is uh i like to do music jams with my kids and so uh, i have a separate account for that but uh when it comes to music i learned that fender was built during a depression and really? so learning so it was something that I that I picked up on one one of these um, uh, some of my research on uh, businesses that have been successful or who had started from a crash from a market crash or depression. So those are encouraging business stories for myself to know that some of these big name brands that are made that have made it today have tested time um, uh, were started from a from economic downfall in our history. So it's encouraging as uh, I've become a co-owner, co-owner of a digital marketing agency during this crazy year, um, the only way out is up. So yeah. just keep doing, just keep putting in the work and just keep doing it. Yeah. So um, you mentioned like uh, not being successful and having uh, like more enjoying the journey, but do you have goals along the journey? And what are those? More of the journey uh, it really comes now as a, as a father of two. It really comes. My priorities have changed. I can't focus on myself, uh, and so I need to make sure uh, what my goals are does in- include my family. And so, if it comes down to relocating, or if it comes to time away, everything I need to do needs to be focused on making sure I uh, whatever my goals are that I I put in the factors that family life is going to take a play into it. Uh, but when it comes to goal setting, it, it, having short-term goals, long-term goals, that'll that'll help put the goalpost uh, within a certain range. And then when you meet that goal, you have another goal to reach. And then when you hit that goal, make sure you have other goals as well. So um, right now, for me, um, is it, my, my goal my goalpost right now that I've set for myself yeah. is to uh, implement multiple streamlines of income. Whether if it's uh, digital products, whether if it's a um, a learning course online, um, trying to do more with uh, with the company and maybe possibly hiring more people to help with the amount of client intake that we're getting. Um, and this always comes back is it always comes back to hit me is uh, revamping my YouTube channel <laughs> because that's always a big thing is trying to get contact back up there. And I enjoy doing the vlogs and stuff. It's just it's just so time consuming. And so uh, trying to put all these goals out there um, and putting it out there and that what's that's what makes it fun is uh, setting goals out there, trying to get it, find out what works, what doesn't and trying to problem solve it all together. Life is one big puzzle and it's just trying to piece it together, make it work. Yeah. Like and do you also have like creative goals? Like, do you want to shoot a particular thing or a particular person or a particular look? 
some of the creative I, I've I've got a lot of personal projects that I've been working on. Um, uh, I shot a photo of of my my wife, uh, who's a labor and delivery nurse, um, in her gear, uh, in her protective gear that she has to do at at the hospital. Mm-hmm. Uh, she has like a five six hundred dollar mask that she puts on uh, when she gets uh, patients who have that virus. Um, and so uh, part of me is thinking, do I want to expand on this um, uh, to not only photograph my wife with this gear on, but other people as well. But I know other people have done it as well. So that's the problem that I have with personal projects is how do I make it more unique to what I want to tell the story of and how can I visually tell it in a way that's different um, because that's what stands out. If you're if you're the same as everyone else, no no one's going to be uh, you won't you won't be noticeable. But if you have either a unique way of visually telling the story, or maybe the story in itself is unique, uh, that's how those are some of the ways in how you'll stand out amongst the crowd. Yeah, like uh, I had Eric Sadie on the podcast on episode 13, who runs the Humans of Support in Canada, where he shoots uh, uh, people that work the front line of. Uh, dealing with COVID-19 and giving them like like Eric is like a kick-ass commercial and fashion kind of photographer and he just like grabbed people from the ER rooms or like from the fire department or whatever and just like really like empowered them and created the story in a visual image which is super freaking cool. So it's uh, maybe you should talk to Eric and do a little uh, American angle on that thing because he's rallying up a, a huge audience and building something really cool of this um, project that he's doing. That's awesome. Yeah, I'll have to connect with him. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll send you the info uh, 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 after this podcast. Um, so we talked about goals. We talked about like your story. Um, now all we have left is... Where can people actually learn about your story, see your progress, and uh, learn all about you? So you, um, everyone can find me on the internets. I, uh, my personal photography, headshot photography website is jekuarce.com. That's J-E-K-U-A-R-C-E.com. And all my social media stuff is on there. And then uh, if you're interested in uh, getting some assistance with your business when it comes to uh, digital marketing, um, you can find my company's website at waza.media. That's W-A-Z-A dot media, M-E-D-I-A. So there's no dot com or anything. We actually got a dot media domain, which is pretty cool and it's, and it's unique. So all of our social stuff is on there too. So uh, that's how you can find me uh, on the Insta. I uh, do a lot of, I'm trying to put a different layer of dimension as a as a father, the struggles of being a father, uh toddlers man they they just they just run your life (laughs) i have no kids but i can only imagine i can imagine because i see your stuff so definitely follow jacob on all of that and check out the agency if you need help and thank you so much for your time i really appreciated the story so it's totally awesome thank you so much this was a lot of fun and uh, next time we meet up in person i owe you a beer oh i'll definitely take you up on that one (laughs) and that's it for today but before we part ways let me invite you to my personal branding for photographers community on facebook the group has already around 700 photographers who want to learn everything about improving their personal brand make sure to add yourself by going to mauriciejager.com forward slash Facebook or subscribe to my podcast on your preferred platform. Thank you for listening and I'll see you on Facebook or you'll hear from me in the next episode. Enjoy your day. Talk soon. Bye.